a Podcast One production. The Health Hacker with Adam McDougall. Adam McDougall is a health and fitness economist. In each episode, he makes health easy as he reveals the latest secrets, shortcuts and tips in achieving health, happiness and performance. I'm Alex, Adam's producer and act as voice for the people as I apply these hacks to my life and report back to Adam. This episode is part two of the top 10 fitness trends which Adam is going to go through and tell you whether you should look more into it or maybe you should pass. If you haven't heard the episode before, press pause now, go back and listen to part one of the top 10 fitness trends doing the rounds at the moment. Now, Adam, we love hearing from our tribe more than anything, what you're into, what you're liking, what you're trying and what you want to hear more of. Adam, who's been hitting you up on socials recently? Yeah, look, uh, I've got uh, a guy that I've come to know over the years, uh, one of the guys that's lost a lot of weight on the man shake and overcome um, some obstacles in his life to become, you know, a great guy and a great father as well. Ryan Williams um, from the Central Coast says that he's loving the podcast, can't get enough of the health hacker and keep the hints and tips coming so he can keep continuing to live his best possible life. So thanks again, Ryan, for your support, mate, and it's great to see that you're going so well. Unbelievable stuff, Adam. And we get to go into even more detail in another episode of The Health Hacker with part two of the top 10 trends. Because, Adam, you just must get this all the time. People would say to you, have you heard of this? Have you tried this? Have you done this? And this is the point of the show. You do these things and hack it down and give feedback. So if you want to jump back now and listen to part one of the episode, please do so. We talk on things there about grounding. Um, Also, lots of other weird and wacky tips that people have been trying and Adam either tells you whether they're good or debunks them. And that's going to continue in this episode as we touch on fasting, the red light. I've no idea what that is, Adam. I'm looking forward to talking (laughs) to you about that. Gut health. Now we've done a massive episode on gut health. So that in more detail can be on a particular episode you can also jump back into, but we are going to touch on that again. T as in T-E-A and Weed. Yes, marijuana. We're going to touch on that as point number five. Never thought I'd say that in a health hacking episode. So, Adam, you know, brevity is the point of the show. We are the health hackers. Let's get into number one with fasting. Um, I suppose it's actually number six, isn't it? This is part two. Well, technically, mate, you are right. It's number six. And if you're not familiar with fasting, it's just simply a period of time where you choose to refrain from eating food. Um, and I speak about it and I have for a number of years. I call it my my window of eating. I try to keep my uh, eating window around 10 to 8 hours um, during the day. Um, this practice of fasting has been you know, done by humans since day dot for obvious reasons. You know, Lack of food um, was probably one out of necessity. There wasn't mm. food available on every street corner like there is today. I have um, taken a very deep dive into fasting myself. Um, when I retired from football after having over 28 operations. Um, so you had 28? 28. I've had nine operations on my left knee alone. So good sport, rugby league. I'm glad I had two girls, but now girls are playing rugby league as well. So hopefully, fingers crossed, they don't end up playing it. But um, um, sorry to the NRL, but it certainly leaves a lot of damage in your body. And inflammation is something that I battle with you know, on an ongoing basis. And when I, when I retired, not having the treatment, not having the access to the medical staff that I did, and not exercising as much, my body really become crippled with inflammation. Um, an actual recommendation was to try a style of fasting called intermediate fasting, which is essentially Essentially, you basically fast for an intermediate period of the day. So for myself, it's about 16 hours of the day on average, and then I get to eat for eight hours of the day. So get up, roughly have breakfast at 10 o'clock, and then try to have dinner later than 6 o'clock at night. Um, You know, I've tried all the other fasts. I've actually been mad enough to try the uh, five-day fast of uh, liquids only. Um, 
and I'd never do that again. The other type of fasting that's very popular is also the five and two diet, which basically says you eat a controlled sort of diet over the five days and then two days you basically eat less than 500 calories. And uh, a lot of people have good success um, over that as well. Um, the reason why people get so much success, Alex, with uh, fasting, is it's pretty obvious that when you eat, um, food is information to the body. Um, people just see food as something that's, you know, ingested for taste and pleasure and reward. But really it's information. Every time you take a bite of food, it's sending information to your body to repair it or to make it inflamed or to actually make it fat or to make it healthy. So we need to really see food as information. So what happens when you intermediately fast is it allows your body to actually take a break from having to work. You know, you think when you eat food, the amount of metabolic energy it requires to break food down, particularly fatty foods, um, foods that aren't particularly good for us, even puts more pressure on the body. So during them periods of fasting, that means the absence of no food, it gives your body a chance to quell that inflammation and and give the organs a break. So fasting really reduces inflammation in the body. And um, I can put my hand on my heart and say that it's made a huge difference to the amount of pain and inflammation I've had in my body. Um, But you don't have to go to extremes, I believe. Um, A lot of people lose a lot of weight as well. Um, You know, a study in 2014 showed that people that use an intermediate fasting period of eating reduced their body weight by 8% over a 24-week period, which is quite significant. Um, If you have a look at a lot of Hollywood actors, Hugh Jackman uh, uses intermediate fasting to get ready and to uh, prepare for the role of Wolverine. He's a bit advocate of it. Um, And it's a much healthier way than going on some crash diet. It's more of a lifestyle. Now, the reason why intermediate fasting works so well as well is because then periods of time where you don't eat, it actually influences a number of hormones, namely insulin. So every time that you you eat foods, particularly those that are high in energy, carbohydrates, your body secretes the hormone insulin. Now, I, I refer to insulin as what I call the fat fertilizing food. It essentially releases insulin to your body and therefore you can't burn fat while you've got insulin running throughout your bloodstream. So when you don't have these periods of time where you don't have insulin secreting throughout your bloodstream, um, it allows you to become more fat adapted. So it makes your body use fat as energy rather than using carbohydrates as energy. So forcing your body to get into a fat burning mode is very important. That's what intermediate fasting does. It also raises another important hormone, particularly as we age, called growth hormone, which also is great for for increasing you know a, a number of um, things in our body from a health perspective, but as well as making us a lot leaner and meaner as well. So that's one of the big parts of um, fasting. It, it obviously has a great benefit on uh, losing fat and general health and well-being. Um, it also increases mental clarity as well. Um, it's actually been proven to um, boost the, the brain health of people that actually do this as well. And another benefit of the brain health is a byproduct of reduced inflammation. But the biggest thing that it does, as far as I'm concerned, is it helps with a process called autophage. So what's autophage? So autophage, you're being too nerdy, is just the process of our body cleaning out the dead and damaged cells. Um, it's derived from the Greek word auto, meaning self, and phage means eating. So autophage is just basically the body eating the dead cells and cells that have, you know, served their purpose and need to be cleaned out. Now, if you're always gorging your face with food and whatnot, your body doesn't get a chance to clean out a lot of these cells. Now, what can happen if these cells don't get cleaned out is that can lead to disease and cancers. So it's a very, very exciting part of, of medical uh, research now that this process not going for periods of time where you have to eat um, actually allows your body to reboot itself, um, clean out the dead cells and not allow the backlog of these dead cells to accumulate and cause disease and illness. So it can stop things from cancer, heart disease, uh, Alzheimer's disease. Um, it's just so exciting what the process of audiophage can do and how much it can decrease um, the risk of these diseases. And it also keeps us younger, which is exciting as well. Again, Adam, I'm just going to sort of put together what it is that you're saying. The benefits of fasting are there are different types. Obviously, the extreme one, the liquids, is probably 
extreme. <laughs> five two or intermediate fasting. Uh, it's about testing what works for you, but the overall point you're trying to make is it teaches your body a uh, to use fat rather than burn carbohydrates. B, it will help you clean out any dead cells, which will keep your body healthier. And also it can give you mental clarity. So intermediate fasting is something that you do, for example, which you can do quite easily every single day is not eating too late and not eating as soon as you start, keeping it to a window of around about 10 hours. And from my experience, when I've done fasting, it's so important that when you are eating, eating the right foods that are low in GI and don't have big spikes in sugar or insulin spiking foods, because that'll make the periods when you're not eating even harder to get through because your blood sugar levels will be all over the shop. Yeah, look, I think the great thing about it too is it really changes your relationship with food. I think you become more mindful when you do eat and you appreciate the food. The great thing about fasting is it goes back to our natural roots and our DNA, and this is something that our body craves and something that it wants. So we eat often out of the times of boredom or out of habit or out of stress and, you know, not through necessity. So, you know, it really changes your relationship with food and it teaches you to really distinguish between hunger and between just eating for the sake of eating out of bad habits. So I really like fasting and, and, you know, like you said, Alex, some some people like to skip breakfast, for example, have a later lunch. Me, personally, I like to eat earlier in the day and then not eat too close before I go to bed because I know the research around eating too close to bed and how it affects the other most important thing in our health, which is sleep. So, you know, I like to get up in the morning. I like to, you know, go for a walk, maybe have a cup of coffee and, and a, a glass of uh, water. And then, you know, an hour or two later, then I'll look to eat, you know, but I'm trying to teach my body to use fat as fuel rather than relying on my breakfast to energize my body for the start of the day. So it's quite simple. Start playing around with it. You don't need to start going team extreme, like I said, and start with 16 hours. Start with just trying to take your first bite of food and your last bite of food for 12 hours. And then over a period of months or weeks, you know, bring that out. But once again, make it seasonal as well. You don't need to do this every single day. Just start to play around with it and see what works for you. Trend number two at the moment is red light, Adam. What is this all about? <laughs> well, you know, the problem with modern man, once again, is that one of the worst inventions has been the light bulb. So Thomas Edison, you know, he's got a lot to answer for because what he's done is he's thrown out our natural body clocks. Mm. Um, you know, we were never designed to be up and awake for long periods of time like we are today. We are never designed, once again, to eat food at the times of day that we're eating it now. Introduction of the modern light has moved our lifestyles to change so much. People are now working shift work. People now can go to a supermarket and be exposed to more blue light than they would, you know, if it was a 40 degree brightness of light outside. Mm. So we're being exposed to all this artificial light and um, it's eliminating a lot of the red light that we actually need, which comes naturally from sunlight. So this red light is so important because that's the sort of light that actually helps build our body's mitochondria. Now, you might be saying to yourself, what the hell is mitochondria? And I can explain to you what it is now. But mitochondria are basically the power cells of our body. They're the things that convert food, water, and oxygen into energy. They're the things that power us on a daily basis. Um, so this red light is so important for that mitochondria. And what's happening, uh, as you know, we're living in these fake environments now where a lot of people don't even get out and see the sunlight, you know, sometimes because they work shift work. Or people who live in cold climates um, don't get exposed to sunlight. Instead, they're going into shopping centers and they're being exposed to all this blue light, which has been shown to be damaging to our mitochondria. Um, you know, it can actually have five times more the blue light um, exposure from an LED compared to natural light when you're exposed to something like a casino or a shopping center. So Gee. that's why they set these blue lights up so that you just keep gambling. So you don't want to leave. That's why they have these lights in, in uh, shopping centers so you keep shopping till you drop, literally. So it's tricking the body's natural body clock 
to not work effectively. And we know the importance of sleep and the body clock's importance to regulating hormones and general health and well-being. So avoiding blue light as much as you can. We've spoken about in past episodes. You can get apps now on your phone, on your computers. You can even wear blue blocker sunglasses at night if you want to watch television. Apple are trying to come out with a lighting system for your house as part of the smart house where you walk in and you actually tell them that you want orange lights or red lights or blue lights depending on the time of the day because mm. blue light has some benefit early in the day because obviously you want your brain to be heightened and awakened and the red light actually helps prepare the brain um, to wind down as well to help it sleep. So a great thing is just to buy a normal bedside lamp and actually just put a red light bulb in it which you can buy for, you know, 6 to $8 off Amazon. So it's such a trendy sort of thing at the moment. People with different brain diseases um, such as Parkinson's disease are also using red light stimulation they shine a red light up the nose um, onto the brain to try to um, starve off some of the side effects and regenerate parts of the brain against this awful disease and Alzheimer's as well. It's something I'm looking into personally as well. In my last trip to America, I spoke to um, some guys from the NFL who specialise in concussion injuries. And uh, it's no secret, I probably had over 30 to 50 concussions in my career, Gee. you know, playing for nearly close to 20 plus years of contact sport. You know, every, every game is equivalent of a car accident. So my brain... I've got no doubts is he's going to be pretty, um, you know, unhappy um, from from the damage it suffered. So one thing I'm looking at, because, you know, you look at a lot of footballers who are passing away currently. Most of the legends of the game today are dying with um, dementia, uh, Alzheimer's disease. So um, it's, it's very scary for any person that's played contact sport. So I'm hoping that this red light will help me and it'll hopefully um, starve off some of the conditions, which I'm a little bit scared of getting in the future. Red light is such a good thing to do, obviously, for mobile phones as well and your laptop. If they are an older laptop or phone that don't have the nightlight option, even just getting a piece of red-coloured contact paper or some cellophane putting it over your screen is an, another hack you could do as well. And like Adam said, getting yourself some tinted glasses is a really low-tech and affordable solution to fixing it. The only thing I am angry about, and as you know, I love research, I love PubMed, I love getting in and you know ripping the research apart and seeing how much you know substance it had, is that one of the big studies I found on it was that it actually stimulates hair follicle growth to reverse hair loss and baldness. So... Too late, mate. Too late for me. Too late for me. So hopefully I can grab my eyebrows back with a bit more red light. (laughs) (laughs) Fasting, red light, and number three trending in the world at the moment is gut health, something that we have done in great detail, which you can go back and listen to in a full episode. But top line now, Adam's going to give you the do's and don'ts and the benefits of it. Well, Alex, you know, uh, Hippocrates, the Greek philosopher, was once quoted as saying that all disease begins in the gut. And I'll tell you what, he's proven to be one smart cookie, isn't he? Jeez, so, he was ahead of his time, wasn't he? <laughs> way ahead of his time. So, way before Google. So um, science is now linking poor health um, of the gut to every single disease that we know. And you look at, you know, research, you know, on Google last year, the search for uh, probiotics and gut health were up over 251%. So this is a massive trending um, topic. And the reason it's trending is because there's so much substance behind it from research, but also hacking. People are getting in now and hacking their own health and they're going out and making these small changes to make their guts healthier and seeing huge benefits, you know. So, you know, they're starting to take on these probiotic foods. They're starting to eat more prebiotic foods, which we spoke about in past episodes, because they're understanding that food, like I said, earlier is information for the body and it's either good or it's bad and it does wonderful or poor things for you. So people are now realizing that their guts, you know, not only control breaking and digesting food down, but also our mental health, because we know that 90% of the serotonin, the happiness, uh, 
chemical that's responsible for putting a smile on your dial is produced in your gut. We know 80% of your immune system is produced in your gut. So we now know that the gut is so important. You know, it's the second brain a lot of people are referring to it as. Um, and it, it's so important for our general health and well-being. So people now know this. So people are getting in and hacking it, you know, everything from what they eat um, to how often they eat um, to exercise, which we know also uh, has an impact on your gut bacteria as well. So this is a really trending topic at the moment. Some of the um, the foods that we spoke about in, in a past podcast, um, which we should be eating, are foods that are high in probiotics themselves, such as your Greek yogurts. Um, you've got your sauerkraut, your miso soups, your kimchi, your kombuchas, which are a great beverage these days. But the one caveat we always speak about when you buy these products is look on the back of the label and check to see that there is no sugar in these products. Mm. Um, you know, a lot of these yogurts that are saying that they've got all these probiotics and prebiotics, they're being made null and void with the amount of sugar that they've got in because we know that sugar feeds the bad bacteria in our guts. So they're not all created equal probiotics, so you need to be very mindful of that as well. And just go back to eating what your mum and dad told you to eat, which was your vegetables. We now know that the fibre is required by the, the good bacteria in our stomach to actually grow and to fertilise and, and produce more of the good bacteria. So, you know, foods that are high in fibre, you know, there's so many you know, great foods from broccoli to kale to spinach, um, apples, you know, berries, um, all these basic foods that we should have in our diet on a daily basis will really help with our gut health. You don't always need to reach for some trendy tonic um, to get good gut bacteria. It's just being sensible and um, having diversity and a good healthy diet. Go back and listen to the episode, The Top 5 Hacks for Good Gut Health, to find out in great detail how to improve your gut health. And the interesting thing you're going to learn about in that episode is something called microbiome, which is the key that you want to grow and maintain and make sure is healthy in your gut. That's all in that episode. But the top line in this, Adam, is that trend is a big tick from you. That is a trend you should absolutely be jumping on board and looking after your gut health. The Health Hacker with Adam McDougall. Number four is tea, T-E-A's. Are you talking like green teas or are you talking iced teas? Are you talking, not not, not the wrapper, I mean the drink. <laughs> well, I mean, mate, if iced know, tea, tea was going to make me a fitness drink, I actually probably would <laughs> drink it. But, you know, I assume well, you're not talking well, about that. No, well, what's really trending at the moment, and social media, you know, you've got to love it or hate it. It does some great things, but also does some evil things as well. And, you know, skinny teas and detox teas, you're seeing them every time you go onto Instagram, you know, you see some, you know, skinny model that hasn't eaten for two weeks on there promoting some sort of tea or a detox tea. And, you know, the great thing about tea is in its right form, it's such a powerful tool for good health and well-being. Our ancestors knew the value of herbs and spices. That's why they used to trade them for gold. Um, They have so much health benefits. And, you know, one of the most common ways that they used to digest, you know, a lot of these herbs and spices was through teas. Um, So, you know, green tea, we know the benefits of, of green tea and, you know, how it can help with fat. Uh, burning and, and how it can help with general wellness as well. Um, it's a great tool for general health and well-being. But what is trending at the moment are these skinny teas and these detox teas. And they're expensive. They contain laxatives. They contain caffeines. They contain diuretics. They're really just garbage, Alex. I'll be 100% honest with you. And the weight loss isn't fat loss. We've spoken about this before. When you're trying to lose weight as such, you want to lose fat. You want to burn fat. You don't want to just drop weight. And things like diuretics and laxatives will have surely have you just literally crap out water. Mm. So you jump on the scales and it's an illusion. Oh, I've lost all this weight. No, you haven't. You've just lost water. Um, so, And your liver and kidneys are all that are needed also to eliminate toxins and to detox your body naturally. So you don't need to take some special tea or tonic that supposedly detoxes because it's, once again, a waste of money. You're literally right. pissing your money down the toilet. <laughs> so, so there are teas out there that are actually quite bad for you. So be wary of anything that says fat loss or detox or skinny tea. 
if it's not a natural product with natural herbs and spices, you might be getting taken for a ride. So read the label um, and make sure you're not getting something with laxatives to give you the illusion that you're losing weight. Because you can listen to episodes we've done about weight loss versus fat loss back in our back catalogue. For example, the top five food hacks to lose weight and feel great and the top five fast fat loss hacks is back in our catalogue. So with tea though, Adam, what are the good teas? Yeah, there's so many out there, you know, like chamomile tea, for example, is well known for its calming effects. So I like to have a chamomile tea before I go to bed at night to obviously get myself into a state to sleep. And we now know the benefits of sleep for weight loss, general health and well-being. So it's a fantastic, you know, tool to use, some chamomile tea. It also reduces blood sugar levels and insulin levels, which we know are very important for our health and well-being as well. Um, Peppermint tea is one of the most commonly used herbal teas in the world. And it's traditionally used to relieve the discomfort of digestive tract issues. So I like to have some peppermint tea after I've had a big meal. Um, Helps with digestions. Um, it can also, you know, relieve um, nausea as well. So people that are suffering from any type of ailment that um, has them feeling a little bit sick and queasy, peppermint tea does a great job of um, relieving that as well, as does ginger tea. Um, it's great for that. But studies have also shown that ginger can help um, relieve pain as well. Um, especially for women who are going through their menstrual cycle and people with diabetes as well. It's been shown to have some great benefits there. So, you know, that's another another really beneficial tea. One of my other favourite teas, which is a bit different, is uh, Robos tea. Um, it's got a really nice sort of sweet taste to it. Um, it's only just been studied by scientists in the last you know few years, but it's actually been shown to help with bone health. I've never uh, heard of it. How do you spell it? Um, R-R-O-I-B-O-S. So yeah, right. My pronunciation isn't great. I have I no idea how to pronounce that word. Yeah. And, <laughs> but okay, um, that's good though because this is what I love about you, Adam. I've never heard this stuff. So you say it helps with your bones. Yeah, it helps with the bones. And, and you know, it, it's um, you know it, it's it's a really, really good tea. It tastes really nice as well. Rosehip tea, which is a, a pretty popular tea as well. Yeah. It's high in vitamin C and antioxidants. Um, it's, it's said to also um, have an anti-inflammatory uh, benefit as well with um, arthritis. Um, passion flower tea is a tea that we mentioned in a past podcast about helping with sleep. Um, it, it's really good for reducing, you know, stress and anxiety. Um, so they're some of my favourite teas. Green tea as well. Um, one, one of the things that I, I love about teas is the fact that you can actually grab several different tea bags and actually put them in the same pot together and brew them all up together to get the marae of benefits all at once. So what I tend to do is I like oh, to get a green tea bag. the of teapots, eh? Yeah, yeah. So I like to mix, I get a peppermint tea bag and I mix it with a chamomile tea bag and some green tea. And they all have their own individual benefits. And um, I just sip, you know, throughout the day on that. And it doesn't always have to be hot. It can be um, cold. And, um, you know, it just adds a little bit of flavour to, to the water. So you're not just drinking plain water. And that's a little hack for me as well that I do. So um, water can get boring at times. So why not throw a, you know, tea bag into a, a bit of water, boil it up and then... Uh, let it cool down and sip on it throughout the day with a squeeze of lemon. Adam, only you could hack tea. Unbelievable. <laughs> and moving on to the last trend, this might be a bit hard in Australia, but we have a very big audience, Adam, in America, and weed is legal in a lot of parts. We've got Colorado, um, also throughout parts of California where weed is legal. Is this what's happening? Are you saying for people to smoke weed or do something with weed in the biggest trend that's happening at the moment? I mean, you're not saying it. It's just a trend. Well, it's exciting news because, um, you know, we are catching up with the rest of the world. And, you know, if you've been watching the news over the last couple of years, there's been a lot of people who are suffering from really terrible, you know, life-threatening diseases and, and diseases essentially where they're, they've given a death sentence. And they're looking for some reprisal from the suffering and the pain. And uh, we now know, and we have for a long time, that, um, you know, 
parts of the marijuana plant actually have a lot of health benefits to these people. They ease inflammation, they ease pain, they ease anxiety. Um, And it's exciting because Australia is now jumping on board and they've just recently um, legally uh, proved the use of hemp. Um, Hemp's everywhere um, at the moment. There's hemp protein, hemp seeds, um, you name it, you can buy hemp anything. Um, but so hemp, to be clear, a hemp is a, is that an oil or an extract from a marijuana plant that doesn't have yeah, the THC, the hallucinogen in it? Exactly, it doesn't have the THC, the psychoactive component of cannabis in it. So, so essentially, the bit that makes you see, you know, as the colloquialism goes, make you feeling stoned, <laughs> it's not got that part. Exactly, and it doesn't have that that effect, and uh, doesn't give you the munchies as such. So don't worry about the munchies. <laughs> <laughs> and, Especially uh, if you're trying to lose weight and get fit. <laughs> exactly, you're not going to go on Bill and Ted's excellent. Adventure and uh, be although you do have a hack for that, which is if you're eating chocolate, eat with your non-dominant yeah, hand. Exactly. So you know if you're a stoner. <laughs> <laughs> so look, you know it, it, the CBD oil for me is the most exciting thing. Once again, when I was in America recently, um, I trialed it myself. I hacked it on myself, and um, you know once again used it because um, I'm trying to starve off some of the damage that's been caused to my brain as a result of playing a contact sport. Um, but also because it helped with the inflammation in my body as well. And I can put my hand up and honestly say, you know the period of uh, time that I spent in America while I was using the CBD oil, I noticed some huge benefits in my inflammation levels, pain levels, um, and just mental clarity. And, and I suppose, um, anxiety levels and, and aggression, you know, something that, uh, I, I can honestly say is after, you know, 20 years of playing a aggressive type of sport, my impulse control and my aggression levels from time to time can, uh, be hard to control in daily life <laughs> as my wife will yeah. tell you. And, um, yeah. I can fly off the handle at times and something that I need to work on myself is, is obviously, you know, that, um, emotional, uh, control of my temper. And I really did notice a big difference with the CBD oil. It, it uh, wasn't something that I, I thought about at the time, but when I look back, it was something that had a huge, um, benefit to me. So, so how do you take it and can you get it in Australia? Well, my understanding is is that you can uh, get it in in the oil form because, like I said, it doesn't have the uh, THC component in well, it. Listen to Jun, yeah. yeah, the non psychoactive component of cannabis isn't in it. So, um, you know, according to a study in 2013 uh, published in the British Journal of Clinical Pharmacology, they're showing that CBD oils basically um, had the same anti-inflammatory, antioxidant, um, and antipsychotic effects um, as a lot of medicines that they're currently using to treat things like epilepsy and uh, different mental health issues like schizophrenia. So it's really exciting, the research that's being conducted on this stuff at the moment. And, you know, it, it's really going to, I believe, flip medicine on its head, you know, because we know the benefits, you know, of, of these products, particularly CBD oil. It relieves pain and inflammation in the body. Um, you know, they did a research study, Alex, where they asked the participants after a six-week period to rate their amount of pain. And 70% of the patients who were suffering from MS said that their, their condition improved by 80%, which is unbelievable, wow. you know? So Jeez. it's just unbelievable, you know? So it's so exciting. And, you know, a lot of people suffer from anxiety, mental health issues, as we know and we've spoken about. And it seems to really be able to control a, a lot of the side effects of these terrible things. Help, it helps to fight cancer, I know, which is a huge, huge claim. But a study in 2006 um, in the Journal of Pharmacology and Experimental Therapeutics found for the first time that CBD oil potentially and selectively inhibited the growth of different breast tumour cells. Now, that's massive, you know. So, yeah. And then in 2011, these researchers also added more light onto this, showing that, you know, it actually induces cell death in breast cancer cells. So these are so huge how do you claims. take it? Do you, do you put it onto your food or do you just drip it into water or is it... 
Like it's an oil. What, what, how do you take it? So you can have it a number of ways, Alex. You can just use it, uh, the dropper, which you, drops the oil directly into your mouth. You can have it as a tablet. Um, and, you know, they're starting to even put it into candies and stuff like that. So, you know, there's a number of ways that you can have it. And it's, it's a very powerful tool for, for modern medicine. And, and it's a very exciting turning point in, in, I believe, the fight against a number of terrible diseases. Is this something, though, outside of diseases people can use for everyday health? Let's say just information if you do a lot of running or impact sport, or is this more to to focus on for the terminally ill or chronically people with chronic pain. Yeah, look, whilst we know it's brilliant for helping, you know, fight off cancer, we know it's brilliant for people who are suffering from epilepsy. Um, we know it's brilliant for people that have diabetes as well. So, you know, it's great to fight a lot of mental health issues, but it also has been proven to also help with weight loss, um, cardiovascular health. So, you know, it's something that seems to have so many effects on so many important elements of our health that I think it's, you know, going to become something that people eventually get up and take every single day. You know, they're not going to see this as a drug that's out there for the hippies. They're actually going to see this as a drug that's really going to help fight some of the most terrible diseases humankind has ever faced. This is part two of the top 10 trends in health and fitness at the moment. Adam reckons number one, well, I suppose it's number six, isn't it? But number one for this episode is fasting. It is a great thing to do, not extreme. Try and do a window in 10 hours. Start with 12 and then reduce into that. Number two is the red light. Low-tech version is just putting some maybe red light bulbs into your, maybe let's say bedroom. So when you're in there, it starts to calm you down because remember, blue light gets you wired up. Number three, gut health. Big tick from Adam. Anything can do to improve your gut health is an absolute win as your gut is your second brain. Number four is tea. This is a 50-50 though, Adam. Watch out for the teas that claim to be skinny teas, health teas, detox teas if they're not natural. Natural teas though like chamomile can be calming and the other list that you mentioned earlier in the episode like mixing teas together and also the, the I heard of a new one that I've never heard of that helps your bones, which I can't remember how to pronounce or spell, but that one was in there as well. And number five, the last one is not weed. It actually was from the marijuana plant. It's CBD oil. has no THC, which is a hallucinogen, but in America you can get it and hopefully soon in Australia, if not already, it should help you be preventative as well as if you are suffering from chronic pain, it might help you as well. I think my favourite over these last two episodes, Adam, has been the real hippie ones. I'm quite liking the CBD oil <laughs> and grounding. Well, you know, the great thing is I uh, had Joel Kane, the sports bet man himself, the other day sent me a picture of himself out playing with the kids and neither of the kids or him had their shoes on. They were out there running in bare feet and he said how good he felt afterwards. And these things are free. And as I said, just go out and try them. You know, I'm here and you're here, but we want to help people. We want to see people live their best possible lives and we want to enrich their lives and make sure that they're getting their most out of it. And, you know, your health doesn't always have to be something that comes at a big expense or a big time. It's these little things that will actually change your life and make you the best version of yourself. And if you want to look at your mental health, listen to the episode we did last time, which was with Dr. Happy, a fascinating man about how he hacks his routine and his mental health. That's all there for you for free here on The Health Hacker, and we're going to continue to do it throughout this year. Adam, thanks so much. I'll see you next time. Can't wait, mate. The Health Hacker with Adam McDougall is recorded in the studios of Podcast One. Produced and edited by Alex Mitchell. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. Executive producer is Jamie Show. For more episodes, head to podcastone.com.au or download the Podcast One app.